Welcome to Elementor Talks, the podcast that connects marketing, design, and development experts to help you build better websites. Louis Grenier is the host of the podcast Everyone Hates Marketers, as well as a content lead at Hotjar. In our podcast, he talks about how to prioritize your marketing channels and recalls the biggest aha moments on his show. Hi, Lords. Uh, it's Ben. And today I have a special guest. Uh, I usually don't get to interview people that I actually listen to. And today I'm, uh, I'm listening, I'm interviewing Luis Grenier from Hotjar and from, uh, he, he did the podcast Human Strike Back and Everyone Hates Marketers. Hi, Luis. Bonjour, bonjour. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for listening to the podcast as well. It means a lot. Yeah, yeah. You, you kind of grabbed me with the name. Can you tell us what, what's the idea? How did you come up with that name? Uh, I wish I had an interesting story to tell you on how I came up with it myself, but actually I did not. So I had a, the values. I knew that I wanted to, to fight marketing BS. I knew I wanted to simplify marketing for people and, and stop all the nonsense around it. 80% of content around marketing is, is BS. Well, I don't know if it's 80%. I think it's higher than this. So I, I actually went on a few Slack communities I was part of and I asked around. I was, around, I was like, this is the concept. I can't find a, a name for it. Can you help me? And someone that I didn't know came up with the name and I was like, shit, this is brilliant. Let's, let's go for it then. Oh, that's cool. Oh yeah, that sounds perfect. Let's do it. No, I had the butterflies in my stomach for a few weeks until I launched because I didn't know how people would react to it. But I'm glad I did. Because you're a marketer, you can call it everyone hates me. It's true. And I'm French as well, so that adds to it. It's the opposite of everyone likes uh, loves Raymond, I would say. So maybe it's a counter uh, movement. Uh, so, but let's get, uh, step back and uh, tell us how you got to be pivotal position in Hot, Hot Jar and with the podcast. Like, what's your background? How did you get there? So how I, how I got the, in this position is actually thanks to the podcast. The reason why I work full-time for Hotjar is because I started a podcast where I interviewed people I admired. And originally I thought, you know, it would be crazy. Nobody would, would say yes to be interviewed. Nobody knows who I am. But they did. They, they did give their time. So I, I got uh, one of the people that I first interviewed was the CEO of Hotjar, David Armani. And after the first interview, after the interview, he actually sent me an email saying, hey, we're looking for more people in marketing. Perhaps you can apply to one of those jobs. The, I went through the, the process and I got hired. And I don't think he would have asked me to apply, or I don't think I would have been hired in the first place if I, if I hadn't launched Everyone Hates Marketers in the first place. So that's how I got to Hotjar. But how I got into marketing is a longer story that I tried to shorten it. I read this book in French, which is basically the, the French version of the Persuasion by Cialdini, like marketing psychology. When I was 18 at my uh, big brother's apartment in Paris, and I remember reading it and f- just falling in love with it and thinking that it was for me, this was the kind of stuff I really wanted to do day in, day out, understanding people, understanding why people do stuff, understanding why they do not do stuff and all of the stuff. So it took me a few years to get into the career of marketing, but since then I started to read books around it and like all the Seth Godin books, a lot of books about marketing psychology, and I worked my way towards it. I did a few. I, I had a few jobs in business before, but not in marketing. And then finally, when I moved to Dublin, Ireland, I did a quick diploma in digital marketing to add it to my CV, and that's when I started my real career. So I got hired as a as a marketer in a startup. I had a few roles in there, like direct, director of marketing was my last one. Then I moved to to launching my own business, 
for two years, I completely failed and burned out because uh, I did everything the wrong way. And my third job in marketing, I mean, my third big company is, is Hotjar. So that's, and it's been, I think, roughly 10 years now of marketing experience. And I think if you think of commonalities between uh, the, the Hotjar, everyone, uh, the humans strike back and everyone hates marketers, you see kind of a need from you to sift between what is actually good advice and solid, solid knowledge and what is like uh, fluff and, and bullshit. So what's the process to do that? Like, I mean, that's something that is interesting for, for many people and our listeners. Yeah, so if you're listening to this, you're probably like yeah, building websites, you, you might be a freelancer, an agency, and you probably read blog posts and, and guides and listen to podcasts like this one, and you get people telling you, you know, you need to do this, you need to do SEO, you need to do social media, you need to, to, to have a positioning, you need to be transparent, you need to, to hack Google, you need to grow stack your way into success. I mean, you can hear all the bullshit uh, that you want, especially in the marketing sector, because marketers are very good at coming up with fake new things that are not new at all. So a quick way to understand whether it's something that you should listen to or not is simple. It's, is it something that is going to be true in the next five years, 10 years, 20 years? And if so, you should probably listen to it. If it's not, don't listen to it. And so, because then everything is, will change and everything is going to be, it depends. So quick ways, the way I see, I see it is the difference between best practices and first principles. Right. So in one way, you have best practices that will tell you in 2019, you need to invest heavily in voice search because people are searching their voice and this is what you need to do. Right. That's the best practice. It doesn't tell you anything about your business, your customers, who you should serve, but it tells you that you need to do this, which is nonsense for 99% of people. On the other hand, you have first principles. And first principles are things that will never change that are backed by experience, data, research, and there are things that you can rely on whatever situation you're on. And so an example would be the fact that people tend to be influenced by authority, right? It's a scientific experiment that has, done, that has been done thousands of times. If you wear a blouse, uh, if you say that you're a doctor, if you say that you're a lawyer and you wear a suit, people are more likely to trust you than anyone else. This is why toothpaste advertising still use dentists with a blouse on because they know people trust authority more. That's a small example. So if things that are rooted in customer behavior, in psychology, in science, things that you know will never change, those are the things you can rely on as a business. All the rest, you need to be extremely careful about because it usually depends. It depends on your customer, your business model, the product you sell, the situation you're in, your strengths. I mean, it's, you can see it's, it's endless. I think also if you see something that is very process-like in terms of depiction every step of the way, most likely it's a bit generic and, and uh, it's not going to have as much impact as learning a, a principle of, or how it, how it works. Do you agree? Not necessarily. So it depends on the process, right? So for example, I can tell you if you want to write good copy... I can tell you first principles, I can tell you a process, right? Uh, the first thing you need to do is get out of the building and talk to customers, just ask them questions. Here, listen to what they say, the words they use. Two, you can read reviews online or whatever else. In 10 years, it, reviews might be somewhere else on Amazon, doesn't matter. You can just read where people post things, where they share their own voice. And three, you just 
speak those words, there's interesting things that people say, and you map out your landing page this way by using people's words and not coming up with words, right? So that's an, a brief example of using first principles, the fact that like using people's words and having people read the stuff that they could have thought themselves is a sure way to convince people to buy because you're just speaking their language. And so that in 20 years time, the advice will be the exact same. It's not going to change because that people are people. They're not changing. Even if people tell you, some people will tell you that they are changing. They're not. Been thousands of years of evolution or millions of years of evolution. It's not because we have a new technology appearing that people change. So this is a quick example that you can still use the process as long as it follows first principles. Well, and I think another important factor in uh, following those principles or process is having a, an inquisitive approach. And I think you, you have, I noticed you have it in the way you, you ask questions, like ask follow-up questions, but how can that help in marketing in other fields other than, uh, I would say, content? You know, how do you apply this? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one because I believe that journalism and marketing are extremely close to each other. And I think more and more, they're becoming almost one. In journalism, they are being taught to not rely on their own experience and to go out and interview people, go to their story and, and act like a, like a journalist by asking why all the time, by drilling down, drilling down, drilling down. Journalists are being taught that the first answer you get uh, of a question is usually wrong or is usually something that a bullshit answer that this person wants to share. It's when you drill down and you say, no, seriously, that they give you the right answer, right? Ask the same question again. Exactly. And so you say, no, come on, like, you know. So in, in marketing, and even, even if you're not a marketer, you need to do marketing. You can't avoid it. Marketing is the process of understanding people so well that you can sell what they need, right? So whatever it is, you're likely to do marketing. You need to understand people because marketing, right? Market is there. People forget that quite a lot. So to give you a quick example about being inquisitive, if you I guarantee that even if you're not a marketer and you spend the time to talk to one customer today over the phone or face-to-face -face, and you drill down, like ask questions that are open-ended and you just ask for more details, such as why did you buy from us in the first place? And let's say they, buy, they bought a plugin. You know, say, they might say, oh, because it was cheaper than a competitor. But then you need to drill down and say, what do you mean? Like, is it really why you bought? And you, you want to drill down the core, core idea behind what they don't want to what they don't really want to tell you, but at least the, the, the core reason. And sometimes it takes a few minutes, so you need to be patient. But being inquisitive in marketing allows you to, to drill down to, again, the first principles, the things that are true for people, the, the, the truth behind the blanket statements that people tend to say. And it's much easier then to do marketing when you do that. And so you mentioned before that it's, it's people who, who do marketing, I think... We talked before about, I, I would say, the right and wrong in marketing, but there, there's also like prioritizing what is right. I mean, people who do marketing need to, of course, pick their, their channels, but people who build websites and do marketing need to be even more meticulous. So how can you prioritize and choose the channels that, uh, that are, are best to, to use? So it starts with customers once again. If you don't have customers, I can tell you how to do it as well. You need to start with understanding where are your people hanging out on in the first place, right? The reason why so many people tell you you need to be on Google is because the vast, vast, vast majority of people search stuff online every single day, right? So even if you didn't know that Google existed, if you just do a bit of customer research and, and look at five of your customers 
in their day-to-day, you will see that they search on Google. So you'll know and you'll spot that trend. So the first thing you need to worry about is where are they hanging out, right? If you're a small business or if you're not even a marketer and you're just selling stuff online or, or whatever it is, Understanding where they hang out, what channel do they use and don't use is, is the first thing I would do. And then for the channel in particular, once you know where they hang out, you need to kind of cross-reference that with what you're good at. For example, I'm not that good at writing stuff. Uh, however, I think I'm better at interviewing people or doing audio or like live action video and that kind of content that we're doing right now. So even if I know that people like read articles and whatnot, uh, but I also know that they listen to podcasts, I might prioritize podcasting more because that fits me as well. And then the third point is, and, and I'm glad you're asking this question, priority, prioritization and knowing what to do and what not to do is probably, after understanding people, the most important thing you need to do ever because... Marketers are very good at selling you this new shiny stuff and they are very good at telling you that this new technology is the best. You need to really have a very narrow, narrow focus and to generate results, right? So if you choose podcasting because it makes sense, because your people listen to podcasts a lot and because you're comfortable with like that kind of content, then you need to, to, to say, this is what we are going to do. And therefore we are not going to be on YouTube. We are not going to write blog posts. We are not going to do X, Y, and Z. And you stick to that for at least six months, 12 months sometimes, right? Obviously, you, can, you, sh- you should start seeing results um, gradually. But unless you pick your battles and say no to the rest and be comfortable with this idea, it's going to be extremely difficult to generate any result because you're going to move yeah. from one thing to another without making an impact. Plus, you get better if you do the, your first video or your first podcast is worse than your hun- hundreds. Yes, especially for me, it's true. And probably for you as well, right? It's like, unless you stick to it and improve and get feedback, you know, this, this loop that is like you, you ship something, you get feedback, you improve it, you ship another thing is super important as well, which is why I'm not a big, big fan of the 10x content type of uh, thinking, uh, which is about, you know, telling you that you need to write, every time you write a piece of content it needs to be 10 times better than any other alternatives out there. I'm not too keen on it because unless you're an expert in your field and you've been writing content or publishing content for the last 20 years, it's extremely difficult to know what is 10x, right? So you need to ship and ship and ship and ship to see what sticks, to see what people like and don't like, to see what your audience connects with. And therefore, after years of experience, yeah, you'll be able to say, every time we publish something, we know it's going to be a home run. But don't get too caught up into creating perfection and quality work because your quality is not what your customers think it's quality. And so you need to ship, see how people behave, which is a first principle again. That can't lie to you, see how people behave. And then you'll be in a much better position as well. You mentioned the results earlier. And I think that maybe if you, if you go past which channel and you stay consistent with one channel, I think another dilemma that you have is whether you see your goal as getting traffic and then you will be more SEO oriented and sort of marketing oriented or whether you focus on clients, what they need, what they, what you get from their conversation with them. How do you balance that kind of uh, dilemma where, you know, they want, they're searching for, uh, you know, cat gifts, but they're, they want, uh, what they really need is like strategy. I hope I phrase it. Yeah. So that's, it's, it's an excellent question again, because it's, it goes back to psychology and to why people, 
I think that. So they have a problem that they suffer from. They might not share it openly and they're already thinking of the solution, right? So the way that I like to talk about it is uh, using uh, the world of drugs, right? The gateway drug idea, right? It's like you cannot really change people's mind by telling them you're wrong, you need to do this instead. That's not going to work. Instead, it's going to be the opposite, actually. People are going to even more, they're going to be even more entrenched in their own position instead of opening their mind. So instead, what you need to do is give them what they need and then give them, uh, give them what they want and then give them what they need, right? So you start with giving them what they want, what you think, what they think they want, and you quickly then start to say, to challenge your thinking after that, right? So again, it goes back to psychology. It's just, you cannot change people's mind like this by just, by just saying you're wrong and this is why. So if people are searching for, uh, they want more traffic, and this is what they are looking for. And instead, uh, you know that they need better strategy in the first place. It's probably a good idea to give them, you know, a a, uh, a tool or something like that to, to help them to get them more traffic and already start introducing them to the idea that it might not be the, the final uh, thing they need. And once they get to this step, step two is actually to, to understand their customers and build a better strategy. So let's say if you we know that if I build websites and I know... My customers usually want just uh, landing pages, and I also want them to to be interested in in a, a, you know more advanced stuff. I can kind of give them the the basic things about uh, I can write about the basic things about a landing page, but then maybe talk about uh, more advanced uh, effects and things you can build upon uh, landing pages just to give it an example. Yeah, exactly. Or you could create an email sequence. The first two emails are about exactly what they are looking for. The last six are expanding their mind about something else. And you might not change people's mind, all of them, but this is the way to progressively you know, expose people to, to other stuff. And, and then you can use all the other principles behind, in front of you to, to leverage that. You can show authority by saying those experts are saying so, so maybe you need to consider this. Or you can use scarcity by saying, you know, this actual product is only available this month and then that's it to convince them that this, you know, so there's a lot of tools that you can use and leverage to, to play on that. Again, marketing psychology or user psychology, people psychology is so important. So which tools have you found to be the best to, to help you get uh, results? In tools, when you mean like software or tools like the way I meant it? Software, yeah. Software and, and technique, I would say. Yeah. Let's start with software. Okay, so software in particular. I'd like to, to challenge that a bit and say, like, the first, before I talk about software, because, again, if you're listening to this episode in six months, one of the software I mentioned might be out of business, right? The best tool you have in your disposal, and, and I know if you're listening to this, you might be disappointed in this answer, or, or not, we'll see, is your brain, is your observation uh, tool, is, is your eyes, your ears, right? Your ability to understand people curiosity, whatever else you want to call it, right? That's no question there. If you have that as a marketer or business owner, if you stop looking at your screen every day and get out of the building and actually talk to people, you're going to expand your mind so much. You'll have ideas for content for the next six months. You know exactly what to do in terms of marketing because you'll be able to visualize who you're talking to this time instead of just coming up with personas and... Imagining, yeah. And fake stuff. So to go back to, to software in particular... In terms of prioritization and, and project management and, and getting stuff done, right, which is so important in the in, in, in our world, any project management tool like Asana or Basecamp have been kind of lifesaver for me. In terms of 
emails because people struggle with that. I read a book a few years ago called the Getting, uh, I think Getting Shit Done is the framework, the name of the book. And in one of the chapters, there's one small tip about classifying your emails based on action. So emails, you need to action. You need to do something about it. Uh, waiting for, which is emails that you send, but you're waiting for a reply. And then there's another, another tag like reference or something like that, right? And I, since then, I've been using this tagging system, and now I'm at inbox zero every day because I use the action list. And I know that I need to action. And I feel much more at peace instead of just looking at unread versus read. And I don't know how people manage it. So that was really good. You manage it in, in Gmail? That's yeah, yeah. Ah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I know that like, you have tools you can use. Like, I, I think Superhuman is a tool about email management. There's thousands, I think, at this stage of email management tool, but they all use the same principle. They classify and prioritize emails for you, uh, but I'm much I'm, I'm much more comfortable with classifying it myself. Maybe you can give me an area in marketing or in business or whatever, and I can give you a tool that I will use. Let's talk about uh, traffic because that's on everyone's uh, mind. So getting traffic. Yeah. Well, here's a here's a thought about SEO, search engine optimization, right? A lot of people will talk to you about SEO from a perspective of, you know, this is a channel you need to use and you need to hack Google and you need to come up with ideas and you need to beat the competition. When you think about what truly what it is, it's you're reading people's mind, right? Those insights, when you look at, you know, keywords, you have thousands, uh, 1,000 people search for these keywords in any, any given month. It's literally telling you that those people have this pain or this problem or this challenge, and they are willing to solve it by searching and putting their thoughts online, right? So, and then they search it on Google, they search for an answer. When you think about it this way, it's so such a powerful tool. So if you want to get traffic, even if you're not necessarily going to leverage SEO per se, even if you don't necessarily want to get traffic from Google, and maybe you want to get traffic from sharing and like word of mouth, understanding what people search online is such a powerful thing because that's what actually they search, right? So in this uh, instance, I used to be a big fan of Moz, but actually the last few months I've started to use Ahrefs. It's spelled A-H-R-E-F-S. It's, it's much better in my humble opinion. And that really enables you to see what people search for, how difficult it is to rank for it, whether or not you have longer tail keyword that you could uh, potentially leverage. And it's really a window to people's minds. So in terms of getting traffic, whether or not you want to rank on Google, like looking at those search terms is just very powerful. Is there a metric there that you especially gives you most insights? Because there, you know, the, I use the same tool and you can get the, the exact questions that people ask and you can also get the one with the most traffic. So what kind of metrics do you usually look at? Well, I don't look, we don't look at one. I look at a few together, right? So you want to know how many people search for it. You want to know how difficult it is to rank for it, how many others are trying to, to rank for it. And then is it relevant to you as a business? Is it, like, is it something that is, as you say, you know, if, you are a, uh, if you're selling, I don't know, uh, carpets, right? And you, you see that a lot of people search for cat gifts, it doesn't really make any sense for you. So if it's relevant or not. But the fourth one that I'd like to look at now is the cost per click average. So to simplify it, it's like, are other companies bidding for this keyword, showing ads for this keyword? And if so, how much are they willing to pay for it, right? And so the higher the price, the more you know that this is something valuable for business, therefore it should be valuable for you. Uh, so we look at that and then you, you need to classify them depending on what priorities you have. That's a whole other episode. If it's a, a big bid on a keyword, you know you, you're going to have partners to work with. 
if you need, want to get links. So that's a good strategy. So you've done a lot of interviews with uh, kind of key people from, from the marketing industry. Like what was the interview that kind of, was there an interview that kind of uh, gave you an aha moment? Yeah, I contacted Seth Godin and I didn't even, even think he would say yes to being interviewed because I don't even think I heard him on podcast before. So Seth Godin wrote a few books like Purple Cow or Permission Marketing. He's a kind of thought leader in the space. And uh, you might agree or disagree with his approach. He's not very practical or tactical. He's more like sending you the core ideas and then you need to get shit done and, and figure it out yourself. But at least he gives you the core ideas. Yeah, his interview was, I think, the best I've done because I was surprised that he would say yes to it. And then, you know, you, you, sometimes you, have, you interview people and it's difficult to get anything out of them. You don't really feel the connection, the vibe, like the, you're like, come on, like a bit more energy. But he had so much energy and he, he knew exactly what to say before I even stopped, uh, before I even uh, ended my question. Like it was just straight away, he knew exactly what to say. So that was very impressive to talk to someone who, who knew so much. And that really changed the, my podcast then, Everyone has, Hates Marketers. People started to take it way more seriously after that. I could see the difference, the before and after. And was there a book that gave you, that had, a, like, had an impact on how you think, that you th- think like that's your uh, guide? I, th- I think, I, I don't know if I mentioned it at the start, but any marketing psychology books or psychology books, behavioral psychology books. Cialdini. Yeah, so, so Cialdini, the persuasion, I know a lot of people would mention it because it's just rooted in science and it's not going to change, so you can rely on that. He also wrote a book called Persuasion, which is really good, which uh, are the steps before persuading someone. Um, I think The Secret Lives of the Brain, uh, Incognito, it's called Incognito, The Secret Life of the Brain, was really good. And recently, the book from Richard Shorten, uh, The Choice Factory, I think it's 25 Behavioral Insights for the World of Marketing or something like that. Also really good, based on the same kind of principles, like what people do, what, what they do, uh, why they don't do stuff. Super powerful. It gives you so many ideas. Cool. Thanks. So, Luis, how can people uh, reach you and follow you? We mentioned your podcast, but mention it again because... Yeah. Thanks for the time. Thanks for doing what you're doing, by the way. I know it's not easy to interview others. Um, so, kudos to you. And I hope uh, if you listen to that, you, you enjoy the, the interview. So, you can find me on t- everyonehasemarketers.com. Uh, if you want to email me, it's on the website. It's Louis, L-O-U-I-S, at everyonehasemarketers.com. I work for Hotjar as well, H-O-T-J-R-J-A-R.com. Uh, if you want to check it out, it's a great tool to help you understand what people do on your website and why they do stuff, right? And it's for free uh, forever, so you can always uh, use it, even if you don't have a lot of cash. And that's about it. The best way to reach out is via email, for sure. So, Louis, thanks very much for doing the podcast. I mean, I, I hope to listen to a lot more other amazing shows that you make. Thanks, man. And uh, I, I, I love the, the approach. I mean, I share the same approach of, of making marketing more human and less uh, spammy. So hopefully we, we can make a difference. <laughs> Let's do this. Okay. So, and thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to uh, share and subscribe to this podcast. And until next time, this is Ben. Bye-bye.